Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the ball. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. It's going to be a very short one this morning. We've got absolutely nothing to talk about after the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Joined uh, to watch two flies crawl up a wall with me. Uh, thankfully, I have Rory O'Neill as always and Colm O'Rourke. How are you doing, lads? Very good, Mikey. Morning, Mikey. As I predicted, Galway won handy. I three say, cl- there I, was three I, clear goals in it. Three clear goals. They won by three goals. I, I, did, I, did, I, I did say extra time. You did. You did. Um, I think everybody except me thought it would be close. And you know what? Up until about the 60th minute, I was feeling very smug. I said, I told you, God, we were going to cruise, cruise here. Um, but their goalkeeper had other ideas, unfortunately. Um, anyway, we will obviously get on to talking about all the other matches. Probably quite briefly, though, because <laughs> in comparison, they all pale in comparison to Galway Armagh, really. Saturday night was interesting because Derry were so impressive against the Clare team who seemed a little shell-shocked. Uh, Dublin-Cork went the way we thought, even if Dublin weren't as impressive as we might have hoped or they mm-hmm. might have hoped. And then Kerry and Mayo was interesting for about 40 minutes until Kerry kind of woke from their slumber. So kind of interesting in you know light of the upcoming gargantuan semi-final between Kerry and Dublin that neither of them exactly looked like they were um, in top gear so we can discuss that but let's let's start where well unfortunately where everybody is what everybody is talking about today column and what all the newspapers are focusing on is not the 90 minutes of 90 minutes plus of incredible attacking football and drama it's the what happened 100 100 100 minutes plus mikey 78 minutes in normal time and 24 minutes of extra time and penalties by the way so it was mad so there was 100 minutes of playing time and penalties and it only took about three and a half hours to play off if they're going to keep the penalties which we'll get onto they're going to have to figure out how to to how to administer the whole thing a bit quicker because that was ridiculous last night. But let's start, unfortunately, with the Malie column, if we want to call it that, Shamazel, uh, talking point. People have different words for it, but really, really it, was, it was a bit of a brawl column um, and it's, it's really taken away from what was a fantastic game of football. Well, people are, 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 are trying to use nice words, but for me, it was just pure tuggery at the end of it and I think it should be called out as such. Uh, and it is sad, as you mentioned, at the end of a brilliant game and that wonderful point by Rian O'Neill to bring it to extra time. But what we saw there, not just the eye gouging, but everything else that went on. And I don't think that people should be saying up win in different entrances. Like soccer teams, rugby teams walk in beside each other at, at half time. Why did they not beat the living daylights out of each other? But the common denominator, unfortunately, in this has been Armagh this year. It's the third incident they've been involved in. They were involved in a very big incident uh, a few years ago at under-20 level when 10 players of theirs were suspended. But the responsibility for players and discipline falls back on the county board. And if a county board continually appeals the decisions by a central body, then they're basically saying to their players, that you can do what you like and we will back you and we will try and get you off. And we had the incident with Tyrone earlier in the year where five players were sent off for 
contributing to a melee. And then when Armagh had the problem with Donegal, they appealed and got their players off. So the rule of law did not apply. The referees were undermined. You had the Central Hearings Committee undermining the decision of another GEA body. So it has brought about a shambolic situation. If those suspensions had to stick earlier in the year, I'm quite sure we'd have a much better level of discipline. And I feel sorry for the referees in these particular cases that it's now brought to this level that if they make a decision and send it in, then it's very likely to be overturned, as we have seen in the hurling as well. So uh, this whole thing, I wonder, will the Armagh County Board, if an incident arises in a club match, will they say to everybody, well, lads, you know, you can do the same as the county players and it doesn't matter what happens, we let you off. Yeah. Um, Rory, we should say it does take two to tango and Galway, you know, the flashpoint needed two sides to get involved and Galway did have a little bit, as Colin Boyle mentioned yesterday on the live show, there was a little bit of an incident probably in the same tunnel in Crow Park in the Connacht final last year involved with, with Mayo. Um so we we shouldn't say that 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 Galway are are without blame here, but the the incident that is that is drawing the most, obviously, uh, most of the attention is the um, eye gouge on Damien Comer, which is caught on camera uh, as plain as day. You've got every camera angle possible on it. Um, so the perpetrator there is caught bang to rights, basically, and we'll let the GAs kind of hopefully let the GAs disciplinary, you know, kind of system do its work. But he should be looking at a very, very significant ban. And rightly so, because as Colm says, if people see people escaping sanction for these things, then they become not acceptable in the main, but people who are going to do it will say, well, you know, I'll probably get away with that because the last guy got away with it. So this one, this is one where the CHC, the CCC and whoever else you're having are really going to have to be singing off the same hymn sheet because like there's not like this is being discussed on Claire Byrne and Mooring Ireland. This isn't this isn't um, being kept uh, in the fund department. No, it happened probably too at the very worst time from a GA perspective in that this is the one time of the year where there's not a whole pile else going on. And when you have mainstream news um, platforms and news radio shows getting into this, I mean, look, Claire Byrne is going to be on this morning. Morning Ireland is going to be on. They're not going to be talking. Let's be let's be honest. They're not going to be talking about where to now for Cork football, you know, like they're going to be wondering that this is the only thing that they're going to be discussing. And it's a dreadful shame. I think Pat Spillane summed it up really well yesterday. We got what I don't remember a better game of football. I don't. I mean, maybe Dublin Kerry 2013 semi-final. Um, is probably the only one that I remember. It was just a glorious game and it was ruined, really, by, you know, what happened. I mean, I've heard Brian Gavin, you know, he's out in the examiner saying that they should be going on opposite sides. You don't have that option in every stadium. Like, you can't. So, okay, you can do it in Croke Park, but not every match is played in Croke Park. If you go to Limerick, the Gaelic grounds, the two teams are on opposite ends. Yeah, that's not in every ground. Parky Cueve, there's actually, think about this now. They actually put a design into Parky Cueve where there's two tunnels, one for each team, on the basis of lads not being able to behave themselves and control themselves going down the tunnel together. I think another big issue, and I think this may be even a short-term solution, is... 
you're creating a flashpoint by allowing teams to disappear off the field at the end of normal time. At the end of normal time in a big championship match, if the game finishes level, the blood is up. I think, you know what? You can't control yourselves going off the field, so you're not going off the field. We're going mm. to stay on the field, you know? That's a fair and, point. And it would also help solve my my little gripe from earlier where these matches are taking too long to play. Stay on the field. Like, they're told, you've 10 minutes. Like, if you work it out, no, look, no one cares about TV producers and people trying to make it to television programme. But, like, there was three minutes additional time at the end of the first half. Half time is meant to be 15. They didn't come back out until 19 minutes. And then there was eight additional minutes at the end of the second half. Then they disappear off down for 10 minutes. You then, have Ke- you then had a situation with Kerry Mayo we're told, okay, your throw-in was four o'clock. Now it's half four. Now we think it's going to be quarter to five. Actually, lads, no, it's gone to penos. It's now five o'clock. So the whole thing was very unsatisfactory from start to finish. And that's not to get away from, obviously, the incident, incident itself. It's a dreadful mm. situation for Armagh. They really do need to look at the fact that this now is starting to follow them around a small bit. Is there a culture within Armagh football that allows for this? I don't know. I'm not that au fait with the inner workings of it I think I just for me the whole thing was just it was just a real pity an awful shame and uh, yeah. I was I I, I, I I just thought it ruined ruined the, ho- right, the whole, Rory, the whole day. And, and the shambles of the timekeeping as well I couldn't understand the referee and his officials stood around on the pitch and allowed the teams to stay in the dressing room for about 20 minutes after why did some of them not go in and get them out? They yeah. then put off Sean Kelly and Aidan Nugent. Now, Sean Kelly, to me, was the peacemaker in oh, the whole thing. I don't know what he did. And so and was Nugent, he, as far as uh, I could see. Yeah, Nugent, Nugent didn't do anything either. Yeah. He yeah. seems to have been badly wronged. And I thought his sportsmanship in shaking hands with Aidan Nugent after a boat sent off said something about the man. Mm. Uh, I thought it was incredible. I was sitting in the Hogan stand yesterday, and James Morgan was marking Shane Walsh. Yeah. And James Morgan set out to disrupt Shane Walsh. That's fine. Uh, he was the leading player and Shane Walsh probably dealt badly with it and had a great game. Uh, James Morgan was yellow carded in the second half. In front of me, he wrestled Shane Walsh to the ground. They wrestled for at least a minute. Fergal Kelly, the linesman, stood over it. The play stopped. The referee either ignored it or was not reported to him. Uh, so instead of Arma being down another player or the two of them being blackguarded, uh, it gave carte blanche to what was going on. It was interesting, too, that James Morgan was the first player to encounter Damien Comer going off the pitch. So it wasn't a good day for the officials. They allowed so much extra time, half time, end of the game, uh, extra time penalties. To me, the whole thing was a shambles. And I can imagine that the Mayo and Kerry players and officials inside must have been really annoyed by what was no one, no, no, no wonder it was such a flat game, certainly in the first mm. half. I think, Colm, like, mm. I think they, both those teams had utterly complete mitigating circumstances yeah. for, the, for the way that game kind of came up because it just, you know, it, it just felt the whole thing just kind of, just the fizz came out of it because... Mm. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, it was a little bit after the Lord's Mayor shows show. Yeah, like, yeah. Colm, yeah. I know we're not, we're not looking for mitigating circumstances here at, at all. I think we've made that clear, and the separate tunnels and stuff is a bit of a red herring. And Rory's looking for a quick fix. Another quick fix. Well, I'm not sure how quick it would be, but it should be quick. 
is the issue of how many people are on benches. Uh, the eye gouger, as we're going to call him, is a member of the extended panel, but he's injured and not fit to play. He, shouldn't he be in the stand sitting beside you in the Hogan? Why, why, why is he one of the, the small village population that's allowed to be on the sideline of the championship match? There's shouldn't be there. It should be subs. Uh, you know, the backroom team members who are necessary to make sure that the game can go ahead. And that's it, surely. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Mikey. But again, like we're looking for mitigating circumstances. (laughs) I'm looking for fixes. I think that's different. Individual (laughs) responsibility must take precedence over everything here. Mm. And uh, the only thing I'd say about it, it was a brilliant match. But Galway, to me, were much the better team. Much the better better side, won. And uh, just as well for Conor Cleason, he mightn't have been on the bus on the way home <laughs> if, if it hadn't turned out well. And Shane Walsh's crossfield kick at the end, oh, he, yeah. he'd have had nightmares if it didn't work out. Uh, it said something about him too, the way he put away his penalty. So, you know, it, it, it was a fairly brave thing for him to be taking a penalty. Of course, he had no choice. His name was Dan. But uh, uh, overall, a brilliant game, really marred. By yeah. scenes. And, and 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 Mikey, hmm. another another point, right? So like what 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 you what what actually happens? And like, there was a huge incident, by the way, which didn't get caught on camera. The hurling lads are cute out, by the way. Like there was a huge incident at the end of the Munster hurling final in the tunnel between hmm. Limerick and Clare. But the, the tunnel in Turles is much deeper and much darker. Right. So and and it actually happened right down in the depth of the tunnel. Is there barbed wire around the side? Yeah, yeah. That would <laughs> that, be just jostling in, in hurry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they actually had the guards formed a cordon in the middle of that tunnel when the two teams were re-emerging um, at far extra, far extra time. So I do think there's a big issue here. In We saw it only a year or two ago with... Mayo and Dublin at halftime in an All-Ireland semi-final with teams going down the tunnel when the match is kind of in the melting pot and then what you've done in the GA context is you've doubled down on the number of times teams are going in and going out by allowing them to go back in and out and in and out with this extra time lark and I think two things if they have no patently shown they can't behave themselves to do that i think you take that right away and you force them to stay on the field number one and the second thing is the players themselves you know i think as colm said there's like the, the there's way too many people that are there i mean we go into croke park in a broadcasting sense we can't why are you standing there Who's over there? You can't report from there. You can't stand there. You can't put your camera there. You can't do this. Yet these guys from extended panels have somehow managed to meander their way onto the fields. I thought that that had all been tidied up. Going back to Liam O'Neill's time, I thought they had put strict measures in, in terms of who could actually be, you know, pitch side in the dugouts and all of that. Obviously, there's been a little bit of a loosening up on that front and maybe they're going to have to tighten up on it again. But Look, I think this is a problem. I mean, just the two lads that got sent off, it kind of felt like 1996 all over again, Colm, in terms of let's do a lucky dip here and pick two guys and instead of yeah, Kieran Nugent and uh, or Aidan Nugent and um, Sean Kelly, we had Liam McHale and Colm Coyle, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. well, the referee and his officials had about 20 minutes. They could have gone in and looked at a television screen inside quietly 
and they'd have known exactly everything mm. that happened by the time the players came out on the field. Mm. And then the joke situation where two players were sent off, but both teams have 15 That's another thing. Players. Actually, Colm, Colm, there was three players sent off. Yeah. Three yeah. players were sent off in that match yesterday, and yet extra time began 15 aside. Yes. I'm like, come on, lads. Yeah, we've, we've, we've mentioned that one many times before. Okay. I, I just, so the only thing I said, uh, would say, the fantastic performance of Killian McDade, who, who oh, really yeah. shone when Galway needed him most, and mm. Paul Conroy, and Sean Kelly, and a lot of players, and of course, Rian O'Neill. We had, I was a bit sorry for Greg McCabe. I thought he was slightly unfortunate to be sent off, but. Uh, it was a timing issue rather than any yeah, intent, yeah, wasn't it? He yeah, just yeah. he was a bit late with it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the match, obviously, because it's the one we're talking about. The other, the other three oh, yeah. aren't, so don't require as much time. Um, you mentioned it there, Colm. Um, Shane Walsh, the end of normal time, you know, Galway a point up. He's heading down the left wing. And Ethan Rafferty, not for the first time in the game, is running backwards as fast as his legs will go. I'm Shane Walsh. Now, I'm me. I make for the corner and try and take as long as possible to be dispossessed or fouled. If I'm Shane Walsh, I'm thinking, I can score a goal from here. I probably shouldn't. I probably should do what Mikey's doing and run into the corner. But I can score a goal from here because there's no one in the goal and I'm Shane Walsh and uh, I could do this. Uh, the last thing I'm going to do, though, is try and play a very low percentage risky crossfield ball to a guy who isn't Shane Walsh and isn't going to do anything as good with the ball as what he was going to do. It was a really odd decision for such a good footballer. Yeah, in fairness to him, the ball landed sort of between an Armagh and a Galway player. But the ball that Shane Walsh, it was obvious when you were looking, I was fairly close to him. There was a Galway player absolutely unmarked, another 30 metres farther away on the far side, but he miscued the ball. But it was a very risky sort of thing to do. With, and I'm sure most players should be keeping an eye on the clock and should have known what was going on. All he had to do was waste another 20 seconds or 30 seconds soloing over ba back. And even if the ball was kicked wide, the likelihood the final whistle was going to go on the kick out. So uh, he got off the hook and the goalie got off the hook. And uh, I'm sure they went to Killian McDade and Paul Conroy and a few others after the match, Rob Finnerty. Like for me, most of the best players individually were on the Galway team yesterday. Uh, Stephen Campbell, Rian O'Neill, even though they played well, I didn't think that they were as good as the best players on the Galway side. And for me, it must be a fantastic boost of confidence to Galway. Because if you think about it, they had the game won and won comfortably and then had to go into a dressing room after the incidents that took place, try and compose themselves to come out. All the advantages seemed to be with Armagh at that stage. And yet they stood up and were counted. I think yeah. this is a very significant win for Galway. And yeah, very much Gals. so. Yeah. And I'd say they will fear nobody after that. I'd say those fellas now will come back to Pro Park. I know that people would say it'll take a lot out of them. I don't think it'll take anything out of them. I think they'll come back to Pro Park uh, next week for the semi-final and they'll feel 10 foot tall. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think it could be... I think it could be the making of them. There were a team that people had Big question time. marks about in terms of perhaps spirit or in terms of kind of their mentality. There's none of those questions now. They do have questions around their goalkeeper, Rory. We, we can't get away <laughs> from that. Connor Gleeson, I felt for him as, as a game football goalkeeper of no renown. I felt for him. The first one was an impossible situation. That was a perfect 
perfect ball under the crossbar. Our man man drags two Galway players in on top of him. He had nowhere to go. He didn't have the space to tap it over the bar. There's no way he could have caught it. Not much he could have done except punch it a bit further than he did. But the other two goals, again, his defenders didn't help him with the bouncing ball. Bounce. But the one he hand-passed out to the Armagh player. And the interesting thing, Roy, I thought was that it was clear that Galway thought that Armagh had the dodgy keeper because for the first 25 minutes or so, they were they very, a few in. very yeah. pointedly yeah. putting 50-50 balls across the goal, hoping that Ethan Rafferty would you know, show himself up to be a midfielder. But hey, guess what? Midfielders are good at catching the ball. He dealt with them all pretty comfortably, in fairness. I thought they might have actually persisted with that tactic a little bit more. I think they might have got joy eventually. They didn't really get a really good quality delivery in. I mean, there was one that Comer kind of had to stretch for and a couple of other times that it went in, I think it ended up being Rob Finnerty as opposed to Comer. And it, look, look, we know how good Comer is in the air with those you know, meat cleavers that he has. So he I did think, punch one wide, but it was a good four yeah, or five feet yeah, wide you know, from tough like, angle. Yeah, but but I like, yeah, I did. I, you would feel feel a little bit sorry for the guy. They, they've had a problem. It's been a problem. Look, it's a problem position for loads of teams because I think ultimately what happened was Stephen Cluxton ended up setting the bar so high and changing the entire role of a goalkeeper in terms of distribution, kickouts, 45 saves, penalties, you know, and then obviously shot stopping, which used to be the primary function and now no longer is really. And I think that's why Armagh have gone down this road. I mean, Bernard Power, I think, was the previous incumbent. You know, they've obviously chopped and changed a bit. Um, it's a difficult position for a lot of teams to fill and you would have a bit of sympathy for him. But I mean, look, the rule number one is you don't let anything bounce, certainly inside, certainly inside the big square and mm. whatever about letting it bounce inside <laughs> the small square. That was, you know, but um, I think just to go back there and echo Cullum's point, I couldn't agree more. I think this game, like this, when is the last time you saw Galway win an unbelievable battle? I mean, that was real a real dogged battle where metal was tested. You were in the throes of it. Looked like you'd thrown the game away. You know, there was all sorts of shenanigans as we saw going in at the end of full time. That could have thrown them. That didn't. They came back out. Next thing they concede an early goal, you're saying, oh, that's going to throw them. Then they came back again. I mean, no, they won on penalties, and I'm sure we can get into that. I think this will bring Galway on an absolute ton. It's going to make for an two fantastic semi-finals, actually, in a lot of ways. Because whereas I would have had major question marks about Galway beforehand, I think they answered an awful lot of those yesterday, and they're a right team now. Like they, they're the kind of team. If you go back to when Galway kind of went on runs, like they can, like they grow in confidence. There's a sort of a, there's a confidence within Galway. They always have brilliant players. It's just whether or not they can back up the physical stuff. They've obviously got themselves into a really good condition as well. They're coached really well. Um, oh, listen, uh, Galway are the real deal. And yeah. it's going and like, Galway, and then, Rory, Galway had got used to losing in yeah. Crow Park. Yeah. They were losers when it came to Crow Park on a continuous basis yeah, over the last record, yeah. years. So, you know, I, I would agree with you, Rory. I had serious question marks over that, even after the Roscommon game, because they conceded whatever, 216 in that game. And I was thinking, God, this defence is not going to stand up to our man's attack. But like, they kept, as you said, they just kept coming back for more and more. More and more. It's very young Galway-like, though. Very young Galway-like. You yeah. know, we, we always sort of, recent past, Galway had a soft centre. And uh, I'd say Parry, Joyce, 
slept soundly last oh, night. Big time. <laughs> we have a team of steel now. Yeah, and uh, nothing, nothing beats a win for a team like that. When you go into the dressing room after a match with a group of players and you win a tight match like that, it's incredible the difference that it will do for morale. Yeah, um, of course. Will the record show that officially they drew the match because you know it finished level after extra time? Uh, that's my way of segueing into penalties. Um, at last count, Rory put up a a, a poll on the Sunday game Twitter account last night. Uh, about five thousand people voted. And about 71% are opposed to penalties. Um, for the record, I'm among the 20, the, the 29% or the 30% who are actually quite in favour of them. Uh, Colm O'Rourke, wha- what, where, where did you stand on penalties before yesterday? And was your opinion changed on them by any means because well, of the well, status of the I, game? I, I had stated very clearly I wasn't that a big a fan of penalties and uh, you know, you'd better not to change horses in midstream because you could get your feet wet. But uh, I, I still think, particularly after yesterday, I would love to replay. But I don't know whether people were saying the same thing after Clare and Limerick, you know, and it brought mm. probably a run of the mill game to an exciting conclusion or Sligo and Leitrim in the Talchin Cup. Again, uh, a very exciting conclusion to that. I suppose if you have a tight schedule and whatever it is, uh, there was no room for replays early in the campaign and our judgment is clouded I'd say somewhat that we'd all say geez, wouldn't it be great to see our man Galway at it again in Crow Park next Saturday or next Sunday so uh, th- we have to take that into account as well but I'm, I'm just not a fan of it but as the Cavan man says them's the rooms mm. and <laughs> we must get on with it and yeah. until somebody changes it so be it, you get on with it. Yeah, people say, Rory, um, I think uh, Billy Sheehan, leash managers, want to say, you know, it's it's not a skill we have in the game. I don't buy that. I know I know, kicking the ball off the ground isn't a primary skill in the game, but, you know, we're talking about footballers here, and you also, it's a test of a goalkeeper who is, as we've been discussing, is one of the um, most important players on the pitch now, so why not get him involved in how the match is decided? I think the drama is good. I think it looks good. It looks a hell of a lot better than the point-kicking competitions, which patently didn't work, and I think are even more unfair. Um, so I personally, I, I have no issue with it. And I I think we have on with us here a man involved in the most legendary saga of all time, where, you know, match went to three replays. I don't think that did me any any favours at the time either. So... Um, I don't. I, I personally, I think, I think it's it did fair. the GA. It did the GA a lot of favors, though. <laughs> it, did, it did, yeah. Didn't it? Call, um, it did. It did. Like it did. It did, it did a huge. It did a huge service to the GA, and that's that shouldn't be forgotten. Sorry, sorry, Mike. No, no, that, no, no. Sorry, no. I, I'm looking for your take on it. You're right. That 1991, from a PR and a financial Massive. point of view, was huge for the GA. Yeah, like I, the the concept of penalties to decide to. Um, as as a skill i like i agree with you on that front in that you know look it's it's football that the, the actual machinations of how they're like factored in i don't have a problem with that and like certainly like the alternatives and free taking competitions and all that like look penalties to my mind are the best way if that's the way we want to go i think the argument is a more of a philosophical one about whether or not it's a satisfactory way to conclude a championship match of that this stature. I saw some people, you know, like making the point that that you know Pat Spillane advocating um, a replay was looking to cancel the hurling championship next weekend. 
like just none just absolute nonsense <laughs> i mean like you know people that actually should know better like i mean just stupid stuff really there would have been absolutely nothing wrong whatsoever like kill kenny are playing claire next saturday in croke park if there's forty thousand at that game there'll be a lot right so there would have been absolutely nothing and that's not to denigrate the supporters of claire or the supporters of kilkenny kilkenny just have a small following because it's a small county so there will only be about forty thousand at that game right you could have easily put armagh galway in there at three o'clock as a as a, as a double header and have and had a replay no problem and fill out croke park again and i think it would have been good for football and it would have been good for both teams and and then you put in you can put in the proviso look after extra time in one you know allow one allow for one replay and after extra time you then go to penalties like there's replays for the all-ireland finals by the way it's not winner on Mm. the day in the all-ireland finals so you know like there isn't a whole pile of consistency here across the board to suggest that all of these games are going to be winner on the day. They're not. And I, I felt yesterday, I think, again, to go back to Pat, and I think he did make a very good point, like you were positioning the conclusion of the game into a heroes and villains scenario whereby somebody was going to probably miss one and cost their team their season. And I think that's a dreadful situation for... For 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 anyway, Jesus, Roy, that happens anyway. If Galway had lost that game, you know, Conor yeah. Gleeson would have been that man. Like like that happens anyway. You know, I, yeah, I don't think penalties cause that to happen. Yeah. Um, could we not, Colm? Do you think rather than saying that certain stages of the championship, certain games should go to replay, should we not decide at the end of the game, like Derry Donegal Ulster final? Nobody wanted a replay there. If that extra time had ended <laughs> level, we could have said right yeah. penalties, do it. Whereas well, that yesterday, actually, we like we want more of this. Actually, Mikey, <laughs> just on that, isn't there precedent there? Isn't there a famous case in an Antrim club county final? whereby the two teams, I think it was Nave Darug, I can't remember exactly now who the two teams were, but I think the county chair went yes, out that's and, right. and stopped the penalties <laughs> yeah. or stopped the penalties and, and said, right, that's it. We're having a replay next week, <laughs> right? Okay, that's it. Like, it would have been good crack. Larry, Larry walking out into the middle of the field yesterday. <laughs> we want more of this. We want more of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but you have to take into account, too, the rules are made at the start of the competition. You mm. can't change them. <laughs> if you look forward to next year, and um, where we have an even more extended game schedule, you know, it just probably couldn't apply. In the same time frame. If you're, if you're going, like the team that wins the All-Ireland next year could, in theory, play 17 games between January and July. Now, it's far, far too much. But in a schedule like that, uh, if you said to somebody, oh, by the way, you have to play another big match next week, I think the, there would be no takers on that that say we go to penalty. So uh, in the extended schedule that we're going to have, something has to give. Uh, and I think we're going to have to move back to the end of August. Anyway, it's far, far too tight. And it's going to put a massive drain on players. There's going to be more injuries and more yeah. problems next year. And it's just going to suit the strong teams with the big panels. But that's... Yeah. Uh, that's another definitely thing. a conversation for another day. We have too much to get to. Right, that's one quarter final down. Admittedly, the one we're definitely going to talk about the most. But let's talk about the team who are going to play Galway now because they were two most impressive teams of the weekend, Rory. Um, mm. Derry racked up 5-13 against uh, Clare, conceded 2-8. Now, I think Pat Spillane yesterday described it as a turkey shoot, um, which might be 
a little bit unfair, but Claire, for whatever reason, whether it was the venue, whether it was this Derry 2.0, which they didn't quite face during the league, um, but they were like rabbits in the headlights and they were just like they were smashed within 20 minutes. Um, so I don't want to put too much of this down to Claire being inferior. I, I think Derry have been very impressive all through the championship. So if it walks like a duck, waddles like a duck, sounds like a duck, it's probably a duck. I and I was one of the people that was, you know, after the Ulster final because I didn't particularly like that game. And I look, I'm not changing, I'm not for changing midstream as Colm just mentioned there. I thought it was a dreadful game of football. And look, there was the pair the minute, in fairness. Um, but I think at times they've been electric to watch. There is a sort of a perception out there now that you know it was the quality of opposition that they faced on Saturday that afforded them the opportunity to maybe be a slightly more adventurous in the way they approached the game. And as a result, that's why they just went after Clare from the very get-go and kind of put the game to bed really early. But we were chatting about it last night. I was doing the nighttime program last night for a change and um, we were chatting about it last night and just a general consensus right across the board is, look, they're the real deal. Like they have extremely good players pretty much in every line right up the middle yeah they're in unbelievable physical condition um and a really good example to so many other counties i mean column were Derry in division four was it two or three years ago only three years ago yeah three years ago and they're one game away now from an all-ireland final now obviously look there's plenty of quality and that was probably a false position for them to be in in the first place but It'll just give you an indication in terms of organisation. They obviously have... Uh, right. they, f- they fell quickly to four, but they'd been wallowing for a few... Like, they'd been treading water for quite a right. few years before yeah, they kind of yeah, dropped. Yeah, like, so yeah. they weren't fulfilling their potential for, you'd have to say, a decade at least. And, you'd ha- and look, you'd have to give Rory Gallagher huge credit. You know, I mean, he lost, like, one of their best players just before the championship began in Kieran McFall. Imagine how he feels now. You know, um, like, and right throughout the team, like Connor Glass on Saturday, like what a player he is. I was, it was very interesting, actually. They took him off with about 10 minutes to go. What an ovation he got as he was coming off the field. And rightly so. He was just, I know they gave Shane McGuigan man of the match, but what a display he, and like right throughout it, they've got pace, they've got power. Like if you're going up against them, right? So let's say you're, let's say Derry are playing Galway, right? In the semi-final. Shane Walsh is not going to score because Chrissy McCaig is like, just snuff him out. That's it. So we, right, we pick the best player on the opposition. Who's their best player? Shane Walsh, Grant. Chrissy McCaig, that's Shane Walsh gone. I mean, like <laughs> literally, you know, like that. And imagine having that type of options. You've got Rogers, McKinless, you know, um, Shane McGuigan. Like they've, like they, they are a very, very good side. I think it's going to make for a brilliant semi-final. Two, I think very evenly matched teams. But I would not be surprised. I think Derry are going to, like, they're just a big thing is game tends to get played on their terms. I think that'll be a similar situation in the semi final. Might require a little bit of patience from a Galway perspective, but Derry are on the march. Yeah. I wanted to ask, Colin, I wanted to ask you this because it, it keeps coming up and it makes sense to me, but I, I still would like it explained by somebody who's experienced as a manager. This idea that, like, a team can have the game played on their terms and an opposition team, maybe a better team than Clare could shift it but like Donegal kind of fell into the trap too how does this happen and can you see any way that Pork Joyce could say you know what lads we're, we're not we're not going to play at your pace we're going to play at Galway's pace or is it very difficult to do against the Roy Gallagher team 
Yeah, well, I think that, that I think it's all a bit simplistic. It, yeah, the team that's in front is generally the team that's <laughs> in the game. Uh, and, 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 like, if you look back on the Ulster final, the second half of the Ulster final, Donegal dominated possession in it, went two points up, and should have pushed home the advantage. What would we be thinking of Derry now? But they got off the hook in that one, and the extra time boost, a bit like Galway yesterday, give a significant boost to confidence and morale, and they have grown in stature since. Now, the win on over Clare, like in fairness, I suppose Clare would have been looked as the weakest of the eight that was left. Derry had already beaten them by nine or ten points in Ennis in the league. So it was just a, a repetition of that. Now, Derry have improved significantly and the players that uh, Rory has name-checked. And for me, and I think if you go back to when we picked a, a team of the league, uh, I was very much in the Connard last camp at that time and we put him on the team because I, I met him in Australia. I, I saw him playing with Hawthorne when he was out there and a modest, unassuming fella who has an absolute passion for Gaelic games and for playing with his club, Glen and for Derry. And I think he has been the catalyst, along with Rory Gallagher, in bringing the team to a new level. Obviously, Shane McGigan and, uh, and Garrett McKinless Brendan Rogers, Chrissy McKay are all wonderful players. And now they are starting to believe in themselves. I would place a, a severe caveat in, on Derry. Okay. Any good team runs up 17, 18, 19, 20 points. In I was going to ask you about this because mm. you mentioned it before. I was wanting to know whether you changed your opinion on it. No. <laughs> no, in a, in a game that they dominated, they scored 13 points. That is a small enough return for a team in, in that sort of position. And they're very heavily reliant on Shane McGuigan for scores. Now, Benny Hearn uh, normally chips in with a goal. But when the goals dry up in big championship matches, teams have to score to win an All-Ireland. I don't know what the figure has been over the last number of All-Irelands, but generally it's 118, 119 yeah. it takes yeah. to, to win an All-Ireland. Yeah, so over 20 points me, total, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, okay... Derry got it, you might say, oh, well, sure, it doesn't make any difference they got it in goals, but you're not going to get five goals in Crow Park in every championship match, so you need to be getting close to 20 points in the game, and that's where Dublin and Kerry, they always get, like, yeah, Kerry ran up whatever, over 20 points in all their championship matches so far. Dublin playing badly, get 21 points against Cork. Derry get 13 points against Clare, so for me, I would think that uh, Galway are in with a massive chance in this. Yeah. I suppose the other way of looking at it, Rory, is, you know, five goals scored from pretty much every line of the field from half-back line. Some great goals. forward line. Yes. And, well, and great goals. Yeah. So, you know, they, they have the ability to score goals. It, it is kind of... It's an interesting, like what Colin says is very true, and he made the point earlier in the championship, and it hasn't changed because they're still not racking up large point totals. Um, but it's interesting Roy, because they are a team, as we've discussed here, that place such like such value on each possession. So maybe is this is this how it like comes out in their game plan? They're like, well, wherever possible with each like if we can raise a green flag with a the possession, then that's valuing it as highly as possible. <laughs> and maybe maybe they think we have the we're holding on to the ball for so long, we're so desperate not to lose it that actually a point isn't reward enough for us anymore. Oh, they go for they go for they go for the juggler when they have the opportunity, and I think Cullum is spot on. They look, 
it is like there is a caveat there there's a consistency in terms of their tally um right across the league 10 11 12 points and they're they are heavily reliant on goals they will uh I, I, eventually one day those goals will dry up might not against Galway by the way <laughs> If they, lamp a, if they lamp a few into the top of the square, <laughs> right? But, but like, but I do, yeah. I don't think you can rely on that, and and the the over reliance on Shane McGuigan is a big thing. But look, they're defensively very sound. It could be a very low scoring game. You'd hope not. Um, they don't concede an awful lot of frees. I think Clare only scored four, and so they're very disciplined at the back. They've got a very good goalkeeper. Which is probably a big plus, um, and I, I, I was kind of, I, I wasn't sure about him either, but I think he has, he had one ropey kick out, but other than that, I thought he was top class. Now again on Saturday, um, and that's a big, like your, the battle between your number ones is actually quite significant. If you have a better goalkeeper, I think that does give you a really good platform. Uh, in terms I don't agree of, with you there, Rory. I think you he's still a dodgy keeper. Do you? Do you yeah. think so? Yeah. Like yeah. look, look at look at the the second goal that Claire got his positioning and that, and even the mm. first goal it came out. Yeah, he mm. sort of was poor enough in that. And, and again, he's the modern keeper. He makes up for it by outfield forays and good kickouts. But you'd like a goalie to stop the odd one too. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um... I think training for Conor Gleeson over the next fortnight isn't going to be particularly pleasant. I think they'll be borrowing a cannon from somewhere and just pointing yeah. it at the sky and launching ball after ball at him. Well, Mikey, that's not very style either. Yeah, yeah that's don't, true. They don't kick in big high balls like Armagh did. They will work the ball through the lines. They're, they're fairly consistent in the way that they score goals. It's it's generally not route one. It's, it's a very consistent approach. And the other thing about them is they don't they don't make many mistakes in possession. They don't give the way the ball away very often, you know, because mm. we often sort of tag that sort of thing in statistics about how many scores came from possession given away. It's always very few from Derry. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, Colin, sure. While we have you, uh, I know it's a few weeks away. Who do you see prevailing in that semi final? Oh, I'm going to go for Galway, big time. Yeah, uh, I, I I did predict them to win the All Ireland, so I'll be I won't be changing horses <laughs> midstream either. Um, I'm getting smugger by the day. Rory, how do you see it going? I wouldn't have a clue. Just would not have <laughs> an absolute clue. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it'll be tight again, and again, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up an extra time. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me in the in the least. I don't know. I just get a sense. I mean, it, it, they're both, both of them now are coming with very different types of momentum. I think Derry will have huge support. I think support is important. Um, Galway are obviously going to be um, up in big numbers the week before because their hurlers are in action this Sunday. So you would imagine they'll have the larger share of that. And I think there's a really good wave of momentum in behind Derry football across the board. If the game ends up, as we mentioned earlier, getting played on their terms. Yeah, I, I, but again, I was so impressed with Galway yesterday to dig that one out. It's very, very hard. I, I, I just don't know. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. You've got a couple <laughs> of weeks to think about it. Um, okay. Um, this may seem strange, but we, we, we won't spend too long on Kerry in Dublin, who are meeting in the semifinals. Mm. Um, let's start with the game that's more recent. Um, 
Kerry and Mayo. I think Conor Neville in his report, uh, God, Pat's getting a lot of mentions here today, but he remembered what Pat said back in 2001 after the, uh, I think it was Kerry in Dublin played, and then they went to Roscommon and somebody in a, in another qualifier or a quarterfinal, and he says, I feel like I've come off the Big Dipper and got onto the Lazy River, which was kind of how this felt yesterday, Colm. Um, but you'd have sympathy for the two teams, wouldn't you? They were They were put on ice for an hour, which... Couldn't have helped their preparation because everything is down to the minute now, as That's we know. Key. That's key. Your yeah, food, with inter-county your teams now, everything, you know, everything is yeah. everything is so measured and precise and planned. So the game did seem it did seem a little low key for the first thirty minutes. It's not an excuse, but it could be an explanation. Yeah, I, I saw a van with thirty big Max heading for the Kerry dressing room at four o'clock. I think it was to give them a bit of sun. <laughs> what was going but even something like that an extra hour means that you know your food intake is disrupted too and and you do need something to eat but uh, to me it was a poor game poor quality Uh, it looked always as if nearly everybody uh, in the ground and on the field seemed to sense that Kerry were going to win but Kerry were very unimpressive for me I thought they were very sloppy particularly in the first half and uh, for the first 10 or 15 minutes of the second half. And Mio were poor. Like, their shooting was dreadful. The, the Mio team has just uh, gone back a huge amount from the sort of teams that we saw back five or six years ago. So I suppose, in another sense, it was just a game for Kerry to get out of the way. They sort of knew all along, you know, how long ago could we all just say, OK, uh, wind forward to the 10th of July and Dublin and Kerry are going to be meeting in the semi-final. Whatever happens in between just doesn't make much difference. Yeah, and it, it's a shame, Rory, isn't it, that, you know, Mayo team who have contributed so much over the last decade, and it, this is basically, a, it's a new team now, by a couple of key key members, and it's going to have to be a new team now because the older guys like they 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 run they've run out of road i think a lot of them i'm not trying to retire anyone here but like given given the seasons they've had over the last 10 12 years they've been epic it's very hard to get like colin boyle was in the rg studio yesterday rather than out on the pitch and he's not that old by intercounty standards but like you couldn't blame any of these guys they've and it also just seems to me that the style of play the kind of the hard running from the half back line they, have they been found out, do you think? And it's, it was even, um, you know, kind of a half-interested or semi-awake carry were kind of well able to bat it away and force them to shoot from 35 yards plus, which is exactly what you want. Yeah, I th- I still, t- I like, I got a sense yesterday, that, you know, I felt that um, if, you, if people were saying if there was a better team, I just think if there was one or two, if, if you had Tommy Conroy and Ryan O'Donoghue maybe playing yesterday, I think Mayo might have won that match. I think Kerry were, I'd agree with Colin. There's a, there was a real edginess and nervousness in Kerry's play. Now, look, there's a couple of reasons for that. It, they had no test in Munster, which we all accept. It was a month since they'd played their match, the, their previous game. They were then coming into this All-Ireland quarterfinal pretty heavy favourites. And then we obviously had the disruption to the throw-in and the match being delayed. Clifford under a cloud, um, whether he's fit and whether he's not. And that he certainly looked like he certainly went over on his ankle or there was Standing an issue. Standing on anyway. the ball, didn't Yeah, help, yeah, yeah. There, was an, there was an issue early on. Then you throw in the baggage that this Kerry team have from the last couple of years in terms of 
blowing an All-Ireland semi-final last year, an All-Ireland um, Munster semi-final the year before, and an All-Ireland final uh, drawn game the year before that. And there's a real uncarry like edginess in their play for me that didn't really settle down until Mayo kind of handed them the initiative, in my view, by just kicking wide after wide. And I think if the Mayo had even one half decent forward that was on his game, I think that could have been a very, very risky game for Kerry yesterday um, because Mayo were able to match them in pretty much everywhere, in every department, except where it mattered most. Mm. And three of those points, three of those points column came from from Tom O'Sullivan, who put in quite a remarkable performance um, from nominally cornerback. Um we are like this isn't the Kerry of old. This is like you know this the, like Kerry are Kerry are evolving here, and it's just they're under well. a lot. They're under a lot of pressure. Yeah, they, they have. And, to, and, and, they have and, to and I think and I think you can see that that's starting to seep into their play a little. Now, look, you'd expect them to be better, Colm. I would imagine, and like, look, they are going to raise their game in a big way. You would assume coming up to take on the dubs but did you did you get a sense at all that they were? It just looked to me that there was a real nervousness in their play. Yeah, well, they were very rusty. And uh, the only thing about Mayo are a superb tackling team. And it's the, the one thing that everybody could learn. Uh, they dislodged a lot of ball from Kerry. They tied up Kerry players very easy. But I would say that it, it must be worrying for Kerry that so many of their big players were so poor. OK, Thomas Sullivan came up and kicked three points. But Thomas Sullivan last year against Tyrone wasn't very good as a defender, which you expect a cornerback to be. Uh, uh, for a couple of the Tyrone goals. So, you know, it's one thing coming up and scoring points, but personally, when I'm in charge of a team and you have backs, I like them to be defenders, do their defensive job first. And all over the pitch, like uh, players like Dermot O'Connor, uh, you know, uh, Stephen O'Brien, with a lot of the, the Kerry players, very flat. Paddy, Paddy Clifford was, Paddy was Clifford a bit off Yeah. And and uh, like you take David Clifford's goal out of it, and probably through what you say, uh, Mayo would have been right in it, and Kerry would have been getting even more nervous. Yeah. Um. So Rory, about you, uh, are we all a bit harsh on Mayo? I read Maliki Kirk did a nice piece, kind of chatting to a couple of prominent Mayo fans and journalists, and talking about how like you know they've kind of fallen out of love with the team, or like they they just haven't got. They haven't got space for the emotional kind of roller coaster that it is anymore. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe being a bit harsher, me, I'm the one who's being harsh on Mayo here and say, you know, is it just a case of, as you said, they had an injury disruptive season? That's James Horan's line. And at the end of the day, you know, they kind of, they still, they still made it to All Ireland quarterfinal and they were in the end relatively comfortably beaten by the All Ireland favourites. It's not a disgrace by any means. No, not at all. And I like, <clears throat> I, I love Mayo football. I think Gaelic football needs Mayo football. I think they bring a, a, a razzmatazz. They have massive support. There's always drama with Mayo. I think they're they have been well, such not, a not yesterday. Yesterday the drama but, was but all generally early like in the day. But, yeah, yeah. But generally, I mean, you know, like I don't really see them going anywhere. Uh, the one thing I would be fearful of the soundings from James Horn post match did sound to me like maybe. He's thinking, you know, I've kind of done my time. I've given what I could. It sounded a small bit like a farewell. And I think that would be a bit of a, 
disappointment in my view. I think he's been an incredible manager to get them back to two All-Ireland finals while transitioning the team from the likes of the Chris Barrett's and the Cullen Boyles and the Donny Vaughan's and all those guys that have had to be phased out and to bring in a lot of these newer, younger players. And they'll probably have to recycle some more uh, going into the winter months. You know, there's obviously a few lads there as well at the moment that might have, you know, more football behind them than ahead of them at this stage. So... I think yeah. he has done it. Managerial think, change always goes smoothly, Mayo. It's Holmes and Kennelly's really, turn like, again, yeah? Well, you see, this is the thing. Like, I mean, like, if James Horn, if James, like, like, he has done, like, if you go back to when I was growing up around Mayo football, Mayo football was a bit of a joke when I was growing up. But, like, I always remember, even from a Cork perspective, if you managed to get out of Munster and you drew Mayo, you were saying to yourself, happy days, we'll beat Mayo because, you know, they're, they're, they can't, they're just useless. I mean, that all changed in 2011 in that quarterfinal and it, has, it was changed forevermore. And it was James Horn that kickstarted it. He changed the whole culture. He got them super fit. They are as athletic as any team out there. They had, they, like, they, however, was it seven All-Ireland finals they got to? Okay, they lost them all. But at the same time, I do think, you know, we need Mayo. And you would just hope now that if James does decide to pull the ripcord here, that the transition is managed in a good way that keeps them at the top table for all of for all of us. Yeah, well, the unfortunate thing, I suppose, is that uh, you know the, their decade of their probably the best ever team coincided with the best yeah. ever team. So, Every, yeah, yeah. In any other era, uh, Mayo would have won two or three All Irelands, but it's the last dance. It's over for a lot of those players, like for Paddy Durkin and Lee Keegan. What they must be thinking today, they know in their heart and soul, there is no All-Ireland in this team. And uh, whether they want to soldier on, there's a sadness about that to, to a point, but like it's the ruthlessness of the game as well. Yeah. Um, speaking of ruthless, uh, Gary will obviously face Dublin, who, Rory, you, you, you had no hope. You were hopeless. No. We discussed no. it all. You're like, we're, we're, we're not talking about this game in... This isn't a two equal teams went in and one team came out winning by 11 points. We were probably, I don't know what the spread was, but I think most of us would have predicted probably between 10 and 15 points. So you could argue Cork didn't do terribly. Um, but they are also playing against a Dublin team who seemed to have no real interest in scoring a goal and kind of, they were, were they playing within themselves or are we coming back to the point your favourite player was missing, James McCarthy? Yeah. And most other people's favourite player was missing, Colin Callahan. And without those two, Dublin aren't the team they are with them. Leadership and a focal point for the attack. Two absolutely key elements for any team. And um, I think, yeah, Dublin. It was a humdrum third gear. 10 point, 11, was it 11 in the end? 11, it was. 21, yeah, 21 points. 21 points to 10. The similarities between that scoreline and Kerry Cork are stark. Um because I think that was about 23-11. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think Dublin decided, look, you know, let's, 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 let's just make this game easy for ourselves. We don't really need to show our hand all that much. They didn't really have to. First half, Cork kind of, you know, made a ha some fist of a game of it, but they're just not at that same level. And the, the, the result was pretty inevitable from a long way out unfortunately I don't think it was helped by the way on two on two fronts I think there was again I do believe it was an opportunity missed the game should they could have again been slightly imaginative and I know there's issues around 
premiums and all that, but it would have been better crack if they had sent the game down to Cork and Parky Cueve. That was the first thing. And the second thing was just after halftime, Dean Rock kicked four frees, two or three of which I was kind of saying, geez, they're handy enough ones now. And you're kind of saying, like, if the underdog is to have any hope here whatsoever, the very least the referee can do is give you a break <laughs> on that front, <laughs> you know? But, uh, no, I mean, I, look, I think... I think that I think, life boy you're, you're, you're grasping yeah, at, Rory, is yeah, made of cream yeah. crackers, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, no, listen, look, I think from a Dublin perspective, I think it was just get the game done and just prepare for Ju- July 10th now, and that's it. Yeah, Colm, who who do you think is happier going into that match at the moment? Because Kerry had pretty much a, a full hand. Um, okay, David Clifford maybe wasn't as fit as, or was about as fit as Jack O'Connor led on. Um, and Dublin might think, well, if we get McCarthy and O'Callaghan back, we're a different team. But uh, nine of their points came from freeze yesterday. Uh, like Dean Rock was faultless from freeze as he has been all championship, which is which is phenomenal. But for nine of their scores, hundred percent, he's a hundred percent on yeah. freeze. It's incredible. Um, it's, is it a reliance on Dean Rock or is that just Cork desperation and there was just a hell of a lot of fouls? Well, Dean Rock has been kicking them for the last 10 years and he's probably the greatest free taker in the history of the game. So it's it's really nothing new. He's got to deliver uh, frees in every game as he did against Mayo and he did against every other team. But uh, I think you can ignore all performances up to now. This is going to be a hell of a game. Uh both sides now will be going at it hammer and tongs from the start, and I, I can't wait for it. Uh, obviously, Dublin without McCarthy and O'Callaghan are there for the taking because we saw during the league when they were without a number of their first-ranked players, they weren't up to r- really high standards. So, uh, Kerry have the advantage if those two players are missing, but uh, I still... I'm always a, a, a great believer in the proven performers. And like when you have Brian Fenton and Brian Howard and Kieran Kilkenny and Dean Rock, they have done it over and over and over again. Kerry players have failed uh, now for three or four years. They have heavy baggage to overcome in terms of that. And uh, obviously they have the likes of David Moran to give a bit of leadership. But if you don't have David Moran excelling and David Clifford scoring, the advantages do lie for me with Dublin. Yeah, it's it's true, Ryan. And you do look to that Dublin team as as kind of it's been a little bit decimated uh, the squad over the last year or two, but. And we have mentioned the bench before. It's not quite what it was yesterday. It was Lorcan O'Dell, Keen Murphy, Aaron Byrne, and interestingly, Owen O'Connell and, and Davy Byrne coming in. But, you know, you look at Lee Gannon, he's a newbie. He's scoring two points from cornerback and looking fantastic. Johnny Cooper didn't look out of place playing in the half-back line in the absence of James McCarthy. Brian Fenton has a partner, Tom LaHiff, who nobody can fault. Um, Niall Scully, Brian Howard, Kieran Kilkenny is good a half forward line as you're going to get in Gaelic football and then obviously throw Conor Callaghan into that half forward line with Cormac Costello or in full forward line with Dean Rock and Cormac Costello it's hard to fault the starting Dublin 15 really if all fit and accounted for Yeah but I would still make Kerry favourites if Conor Callaghan and James McCarthy don't make it back for the semi-final but I if would. they do make it back if they do Kerry who back, you didn't think we'd beaten all year you think we'll be beaten by Dublin no I don't I I, I think Kerry like and then uh, I, I, I think they're under pressure I think they're they really need to deliver all this talk about their 
six or seven minor titles in a row. All these players now are in their mid-20s, some even older. The very first of those minor titles is, was 2014. That's all of eight years ago. They Kerry haven't beaten Dublin in the championship since the start of the year weeks. You know, that's 2009, 13 years. This is, this is going to be their seventh attempt since then. Like, this, these are stark figures for Kerry football. They're on, so I would expect Kerry to be coming into this, like, eating nails for breakfast in advance of it. And if they're not, and if they're beaten again, ooh, as Eamon said last week, we've got a long summer and winter of discontent because the natives <laughs> will certainly get restless because this is ultimately what Jack O'Connor was brought back for. Yeah, and Colin, well, it's what Kerry people expect every year. And it seems since 2014, we kind of go through this kind of, uh, you know, there's a pattern, um, you know, league, impressive, but everyone says just a league. Favourites for the All-Ireland, win Munster, the canter, bar a couple of, you know, a notable exception. And then the questions start. And for some reason, Kerry have more trouble dealing with the four-week break than Dublin or Derry or Galway. And there's all these doubts. Um, so despite like like Kerry being overwhelming favors with most people this year we seem to have come back now to the kind of the level of doubt we've had probably for the last six or eight years yeah but uh, there was a lot of doubt obviously we all looked at and I think on on uh, one Sunday game Rory we put up a possible starting Dublin team back three or four months ago when everybody was fit and well, and it was jammed full of All-Ireland winners and outstanding players all Experience. over Experience. We didn't have, obviously, the bench that they might have, but a starting 15 was better than anybody else. Kerry are under desperate pressure, as you said, Rory, to deliver this All-Ireland. If they do, they will then probably take over and uh, dominate for, for a few years because they have a player profile just probably about right mid-twenties and uh, they, they could dominate for a while but uh, I will reserve judgment on them and I, uh, I certainly won't canonize them until they have gone and done it because uh, I still think that when it comes down to it I always go for the the, the, the old dog for the hard road. Okay well I think we can all say that in fortnight's time we'll be salivating at these uh, two All-Ireland semi-finals there. It's fantastic. I, and I think I think what maybe a month ago people were saying might have been scoffing Asher, the All-Ireland semi-final is going to be the final. Um, Colm, I'm not sure people be quite so certain about that now that the winner of Kerry and Dublin are a surefire to beat the winner of Derry and Galway. No, absolutely not. And of course, uh, at the beginning of the year, you probably would have thrown in Galway along with uh, Dublin and Kerry. The real outlier now has been Derry. And it has added a bit of freshness to the whole championship, I think. And what Derry have done is they've come in enormous numbers. They have created a whole new wave of supporters. GEA is thriving in Derry City and the Derry team have given it a significant boost. And then Crow Park now at the moment when they come, it's a huge amount of young people who are supporting the Derry team. And traditionally, Derry had small support. There were quite a, a limited number. There no Derry City support. They were stuffed into South Derry, there into the bad land. That's where a lot of the Derry clubs came from and the strong Derry clubs, wonderful clubs, great GEA people. But it's a much, much a bigger organisation and now and and the future of Derry football is very very bright yeah um, and I think the future of football in general I I, I think bar, uh, barring 
five minutes of madness, which we've discussed as much as we're going to discuss, uh, you'd have to say that uh, there was a lot to be kind of cheerful about and there's a lot of nice football being played. Um, anyway, we will... And the long ball is back. That's oh, great. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Put your laces through. The ball travels faster than you'll ever run. Get the, bear, the, bear, the bear in the square is back. <laughs> yeah. Goalkeepers are terrified again. <laughs> right. Thank you very much, Colm and Rory. Um, myself and Rory will be back on Thursday to preview the All-Ireland Hurling, Hurling semi-finals where there will be no skullduggery, uh, only yeah. manliness. Good luck with that minor game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very Good much. We'll chat you Thursday. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road. And that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it.